Hello, sweet parents. Welcome to the When Our Adult Children Walk Away podcast. My name is Dr. Janet Steinkamp, and during each episode of When Our Adult Children Walk Away, I will provide my professional and personal insights, information and opportunities for your self-reflection and growth, tips and tricks to make every day count, and encouragement to keep moving forward. I'm here to help you dig deep and get down to the root causes so that you can find your way out of the darkness to a positive and lasting relationship. Grab your notebook and a pen, settle into your favorite chair, and let's get to it. In this episode, we are talking about the five imposters of an authentic apology. I like that title just because so often we think we're saying we're sorry. Our intention is to say we're sorry. But the recipient does not receive what we're saying as we intend. Let's start with what exactly I mean by an authentic apology. I'm talking about more than just saying we're sorry. When we communicate an authentic apology, we demonstrate that we have remorse. We let people know that we feel bad about what we did or said. And we communicate that we want to make it right. And we own what we did. We own what we did to someone, we name it, we point to it, and we bring it out of the dark. You've heard me say a hundred times, what stays in the dark grows in the dark. So in an authentic apology, we bring what's in the dark out and we shed the light on it. Um, And we demonstrate or communicate that we want to repair the damage that we did. If we caused hurt or embarrassment. Maybe we were disrespectful or um, we were dismissive. Uh, we, we take ownership for what we've done. When we don't do those things, when our attempt at an apology fails or falls short of those three elements, demonstrating genuine remorse, owning what we did, and communicating a want to repair, uh, in today's terms, it's called a non-pology, kind of a new term. I wasn't familiar with it. I had to Google it. But in essence, it, it says exactly what we're talking about. We've issued an apology to someone. We've, we've extended an apology, but it really isn't an apology. So let's talk about these five imposters. I'm going to name them, and then we'll go back and we'll talk about them a little in, um, in a little more depth. So the first one is conditional la- language, conditional language. The first one is conditional language. When we um, tell someone we're sorry, but, and we explain why it was okay. That's conditional. Um, One of the most infamous is, I'm sorry, but you have to understand, I was under a lot of pressure. I was going too fast. I was fill in the blank. It's that I'm sorry, but. The second imposter is a lack of accountability where we say we're sorry, express remorse, but we don't take full responsibility. That's why we name it, to take accountability for it. The third imposter is humor. When we try to use humor as an apology, it completely dismisses the other person and their feelings. It puts your apology at risk for being a non-pology. The fourth imposter is when we deflect responsibility. So instead of really directly admitting our fault. Uh, We deflect blame onto external factors, or we imply, even worse, we imply that the other person is at fault. Imposter five is that we minimize the harm. We downplay the impact of our wrongdoing. We 
explain why it wasn't that severe of an offense, why someone shouldn't have felt hurt or disrespected. So those are our five uh, imposters, and I'd like to go back and talk about them in a little bit more detail. Imposter one. Conditional language is actually very easy to take care of or to correct. The easiest and most uh, straightforward way to correct this is really an issue of grammar. Uh, Instead of the word but, we replace or use and. And acknowledges the first part of what we say and acknowledges the second part of what we say. I'm sorry and I know it was a really difficult time for you. It was a really difficult time for me. My timing was bad. I really needed to think about how and when I apologize to you and do it differently. So it's not that we're not explaining our situation. It's that we are saying we are sorry and we recognize where we went wrong. It's really more of a grammatical correction, right? It takes a lot of practice and we don't hear how often we use the word but. If, for example, you have a but jar on your counter and every time you use the word but, someone in your household has you pay a quarter, it won't take you long before you recognize when and how often you use the word. And the trick is, of course, as I said, just to replace it with and. That's a great place to start with imposter one. Let's move on to lack of accountability or imposter two. Failing to take responsibility for your actions uh, or offering vague apologies without acknowledging the specific wrongdoing. Failing to take responsibility for our actions or offering a vague apology that doesn't really acknowledge what we did wrong. Um, It leaves the other person kind of unvalidated and unsure that you really get it. It leaves them feeling like you don't really understand what you did. uh, And you do recognize that you caused some harm. You hurt their feelings. You just don't quite get it yet. So one way to, to take care of that, because sometimes we really don't know what we did wrong. We don't really know what the offense was. And we recognize that we've hurt the other person one way or another. So one way to take care of that is to simply ask, I'm really sorry. I recognize that what I did or said hurt your feelings. I don't want to do that. I don't ever want to hurt your feelings. And can you help me understand where things went wrong? What what exactly could I do differently in the future? So you, you acknowledge you don't really get it, um, but not in a way that infers you don't get it because there's nothing to get. It's because you genuinely need more information from that person to correct uh, in the future. So again, a fairly simple correction or attempt um, tool, uh, a fairly simple tool to correct that sort of imposter or non-pology. The third imposter, humor. Now, humor is more difficult. When we use humor effectively, we can help people out of a corner where they're feeling like they really have to defend themselves. Where we get into trouble with humor is when we uh, use it to dismiss someone else's feelings, um, to, when we use sarcasm or um, cynicism. Those are absolutely not constructive communication tools. 
Those are destructive methods or attempts to communicate. Uh, And they're rampant. People use cynicism and sarcasm so often we don't really even hear it. The times we hear it is when somebody uses those two attempts at humor who, who wouldn't normally, where it's out of character. It's difficult to hear in our own communication. It's important if we use cynicism and sarcasm to try and communicate our thoughts and feelings. We really do need to um, sort of take ourselves by the ear, give ourselves a shake, and uh, figure out a different way to communicate whatever it is we're trying to communicate. Cynicism and sarcasm are tricky in part because people tend to laugh. And so the communication we get back is that people think it's funny, they think it's okay, uh, they understand what we're saying. And it may be true that they understand our point. It leaves a bruise. It leaves a bruise and we look foolish. It diminishes um, the respect we deserve from other people. As an outcome, sarcasm and cynicism erode trust. They, uh, uh, they appear or they suggest that we're not honest and transparent people, that we're immature and childish, uh, and they damage intimate or personal relationships. Now, imposter four, the deflection of responsibility. This is an interesting one uh, for, uh, in my own experience, although I have to tell you, I have used every one of these imposters in my communication, attempting to apologize or repair some sort of damage I've done in a relationship. They're easy to fall into. They align with our defense mechanisms, their protective actions, and they are, as we're talking about, not authentic apologies. So easy to fall into. I've done it myself many times over the years. Um, so let's look at imposter four, deflection of responsibility. That is, that is a tricky one because that's the, um, I'm sorry you feel that way. And sometimes it isn't our responsibility. There are times I intentionally will say, it's unfortunate that you feel that way. It's unfortunate you feel that way. I was really hoping that um, you and I would be able to find some middle ground on this. Sounds to me like your feelings are pretty strong. And so maybe we should circle back, use an overused term, circle back uh, and talk about it again on another, on another day or at another time. So in one sense, I'm sorry you feel that way, or I'm sorry you were offended by what I said, deflects responsibility. It's, it, it's not authentic. It, it kind of goes back to that first um, imposter. Uh, in this case, we're, say, we're saying, I'm sorry you feel that way, not I'm sorry I did something. We would be more effective in our apology if we said something like, I'm so sorry I offended you, and this is what I meant, and clarify. Clarify and reword in a way that is less offensive to that person. The easy example is swearing. I swear like a sailor when I'm with my husband. I do not swear when I'm working with clients. I do not swear when I'm coaching physicians. I don't swear when I am talking to my grandchildren or my grandchildren's school teacher. You know, there are people that you can talk more um, uh, uh, casually with and take more risks with 
because you know you can recover, you have more confidence in the relationship. And then there are those who you, you don't have that confidence, you don't have that, um, that ground uh, work or that um, base relationship to fall back to if you and when we make errors, right? We all make mistakes in uh, our apologies. That's actually called proximal language when we modify our language to fit the situation and the setting and the audience. Imposter five, minimizing harm, downplaying the impact of the wrongdoing or using language that uh, dismisses or diminishes the severity of what we've done. Again, we could go back to my husband's response when he would say, you're okay, and he would walk away. Totally dismissing me, minimizing the harm, really not even listening to hear what the harm was or what the complaint is. Um, That's another example of how we downplay those things. Another might be to say, yeah, I, I realized you didn't want to hear that information, and I really thought you needed to hear it. Maybe, maybe I really did think they needed to hear it. There had to have been a better way to deliver the message so that they could hear me, and so I didn't cause the degree of harm. I used to work with a woman uh, in HR at a college where I worked, and on a couple different occasions, I had to dismiss people from their positions. And, of course, HR would come with me so she could take care of all the HR aspects of uh, someone uh, losing their job. And I was in awe of her. She could talk to people really in one of the most difficult situations in their life. And she was not offensive. There was no judgment or shaming. There was no blame or um, kind of scolding. If only you had done this, you could have kept your job. None of that. She was an artist at helping people through that experience. And I now, when I'm in that position and I have to make uh, a a change in someone else's life that is going to be negative and significant, I channel Deb. I channel my friend because I learned from her. I watched. I asked questions. How do you do this? How do you manage um, your way through a situation with a person So they do not feel shamed, they hold their dignity, they can keep their self-respect, and they can walk out of that uh, building with their head held high. And, And she had all kinds of suggestions and ideas. I really did learn a lot from her. Now you may be saying, why? Why? I have clients who say, why do we have to be nice about this? It's terrible. What people are doing is terrible. Why can't we just say, stop doing what you're doing? you know, like we would to a child, uh, which is part of the answer to the question. There's no benefit to shaming or um, being disrespectful. No benefit. It only puts the other person on defense uh, and causes more damage. Our goal in an apology is not to cause more damage, it's to repair. And so we really need to um, consider if and how we are using language or body language or um, insinuating messages that diminish the other person, diminish our offensive actions, and diminish our apology. It's like a trifecta whammy. So um, that is imposter five. So why is it so damaging 
when we use an inauthentic apology or a non-apology? What, what is the outcome? Why does it cause more damage, right? What does it do? Well, when we issue an apology that is not authentic, that is not true and respectful, we bruise the other person's self-esteem even further because this is the insinuation, you're really not worth it. Our relationship is really not worth it. You really don't deserve it. It's this backhanded, I don't know, it's like a, it's like a double injury. We foster self-doubt. We increase anxiety in the other person. We begin, we communicate to them. We begin um, telling them in an indirect and unintended way that they're not that important to us. And when it comes to our adult children, is there really anyone who's more important? In an authentic apology, these are the things we're doing. We're acknowledging our wrongdoing. We are expressing our remorse or our, our true sorrow, right? That's, why, that's where it comes from. I'm, I want to apologize. I'm sorry. Uh, we take responsibility for our action. And we make amends, right? That's the whole deal in estrangement. When we talk about amends letters, we make amends. We want to make things right. We express that we're committed to the change. I'm going to keep working on this. I may slip up. We, we commit to the change. Now, you have to use your wording. So I'm just using words I've used in the past, maybe some examples. They probably won't work for you. You need to find your own language and your own approach. Watch your body language so you're not shrugging. I worked with a, a, a person for a while who, when he was apologizing, he shrugged. He shrugged. And so he was dismissing everything he said, and he didn't even know it. He did not even know it until we were on a Zoom call, and I recorded one of his attempts. And he watched himself and first was horrified, so embarrassed, and then, of course, started um, sort of absorbing all of the times when he had extended an apology and it didn't land right. He started understanding how powerful his um, uh, 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 nonverbal communications were. So we're going to respect boundaries. We're going to respect boundaries. We're going to let people know if we overstepped a a boundary, we are partners now. I don't have a, there's no power differential. I'm not above. I don't know more. I might have more experience. But that doesn't mean I know the right answers. We ask for forgiveness. I hope you can, I hope you can um, accept my apology. I hope you can forgive me. We need to remember the role of being humble and humility in apologies. We are all human. Everyone makes mistakes. There's no shame in making mistakes. When we hold ourselves accountable, acknowledge what we've done, and extend the apology, we gain We gain trust. We gain the respect of the other person. And we need to be ready to do the same for them. When they make a mistake and apologize, it is critical that we take advantage of that opportunity to extend our forgiveness, recognize that we are all human, and and let them know how important they are to us by accepting accepting their remorse and giving them a second chance. Grab a pencil and write down these tips. Here's just a quick list. And I'll put this over on the website as well. When you're making an apology, when you're getting ready, practice, practice, practice. 
You could even practice on someone else, a trusted friend. Short is better. Avoid word vomit. Timing matters. Make sure you're at a good headspace and they're in a good headspace. Not at the end of the dinner when they're on the way out the door. As I said earlier, anyone who witnessed the injury needs to receive the apology. Once may not be enough. One apology may not be enough. They may need a couple of apologies to believe you really mean it, and they'll need to see changed behavior in between the apologies. Watch your nonverbals, and make sure you're not eye-rolling, shrugging, shaking your head no the whole time. A, a, A no head shake negates anything that you're saying. It gives a no message that screams over the words that you're using. And then again, practice, practice, practice. Reflect, call yourself out, be honest. What stays in the dark grows in the dark. So make sure you shine a light on whatever it is that took place. So at the end of the day, an authentic apology is about more than just saying I'm sorry. I'm so glad that you listened and were part of this podcast episode with me. I really appreciate the work that you're doing and how difficult estrangement is, no matter where you're at on the continuum of estrangement. I want to encourage you to hop over to the When Our Adult Children Walk Away website or email me directly at janet at jesteincamp.com. I'd love to talk with you, hear your story. If there's anything I can do to help, uh, help you navigate your particular circumstances, Um, I do a lot of work with communication, communication training, uh, coaching, letter writing, uh, processing, strategizing. I'd be glad to work with you, glad to hear your story. Um, So stay strong, be brave, and know you're not alone.